This is Imani of Modern Mystic Chronicles podcast, inspiring curiosity and magic through storytelling of modern mystic living with our story for today's episode, written by Makia, also known as Mystic Yaya, titled, I Don't Believe in Luck. Pay attention to the magic that surrounds you. It will tell you things. It was the summer of 1997. I was 19 years old and fresh from completing my second year of undergrad. My evening shift as a pharmacy technician at a local drugstore was finally over. It was 11.30 at night and I was 15 minutes into my 30-minute drive home where I lived with my parents during the summer. As I sped on the freeway, I watched in confusion as my car slowly went from 70 miles per hour to 35 miles per hour and eventually stopped completely after I pulled over on the shoulder. My car just wouldn't move. It was dead. Nothing worked but my lights. I didn't know what to do. I didn't have a cell phone. I wasn't too far from the next exit, but it would be a long, dark walk through a wooded area before I would make it to the traffic lights. I considered running across the freeway, but there was only a strip club on the other side, and I didn't have a good feeling about walking in as a damsel in distress looking for someone to help me. Let me also mention that I was wearing a long skirt with a split up the back and mules. 90s chick. Though I've never been an athlete, I've always felt that I could run really fast, but the mules, they would be a problem. I thought about taking them off, but what if I stub my toe and fall? Still, I took off my pharmacy vest, hiked up my skirt, and opened the door. One second of feeling the strong push of the cars flying by, and that was no longer an option. I had come to my senses that I was not going to survive that run. I was terrified. I didn't know what to do. I could feel my Jeep rocking every time a car sped by. My heart was beating so fast, all I could do was close my eyes and pray. I chanted the same prayer over and over again. It was one of those prayers you learn as a child that never resonated, but it's etched in your memory forever. The words didn't matter. It was a way to still my mind and ask for help from God in the spirit world. My heart was pounding. When I opened my eyes, there was a white pickup truck pulling over in front of me. I don't know anyone that drives a white pickup truck, so I considered getting out and running up the shoulder of the freeway, away from my Jeep and the white truck. I felt uneasy and vulnerable. I froze and watched, positioning my feet to run as a man dressed in a white shirt got out of the truck. He looked wary of the cars passing by, and that made me feel as though I could outrun him if I needed to. He walked up and cracked, I cracked my window. He said, do you need help? I told him yes, and I explained that my Jeep suddenly stopped and it wouldn't start. He asked if I had a cell phone. Of course I didn't. And told me that he didn't have one either. He seemed anxious and worried. Concerned for the both of us. I knew I wasn't going to get in the car with him, but what other options did I have? Then he asked, is there someone that I can call for you that can come and get you? I gave him my dad's number, and he said that he would go to a payphone and call him. He had a sense of urgency that was comforting. Before he walked away, he said, lock your doors, turn your lights off, lean your seat back, and lay down so no one sees you. A lot of bad stuff has been happening out here. I remembered reports of a young girl missing in our area, and his statement shook me. By now, it was well past midnight. I drove a pink Isuzu Amigo. It was the 90s, remember? And worried it wouldn't go unnoticed, even with my lights off. I watched him drive off, and then my Virgo mind went crazy. What if he's coming back with another guy to take me? 
What if he's going to get zip ties and rope to tie me up? How could I fight off more than one man? As my thoughts spiraled, my body started shaking and I landed right back where I started. I was considering running across the street again. Despite my distrust, I did what he said and leaned back in my seat, but hiked up my skirt again, just in case I needed to make the quick decision to run. I decided to go with plan B, to run up the shoulder of the freeway if he returned with someone. Then I started praying the same prayer, chanting with my mind, but asking for help with my soul. It was like my body was summoning the spirit realm and they knew exactly what I was begging for. I continued to pray, eyes open because my head was on a swivel and I didn't want anyone catching me off guard. Eventually I saw the white truck and had returned and was pulling over under the shoulder with my dad's car behind it. I had been saved. I was safe. The divine had intervened. They heard me. The guy in the white shirt was actually there to help me. His concern was real. My dad quickly got out. I ran to him and hopped in his car just as the white truck was driving away. I couldn't believe it. The guy in the white shirt stopped for me. And not only did he drive to a payphone to call my dad, he waited there for him and led him to where I was stranded. I've never been so grateful to hear my dad fussing about taking better care of my car. I should have had the oil changed. I should have had the transmission checked. When was the last time I had a tune-up? He didn't know it, but as my body was coming down from the trembling fear that covered me, his fussing voice was music to my ears. What we didn't know at the time was that that stretch of freeway would later be nicknamed the Killing Fields by police because since the 1970s, there were bodies of 30 murdered victims, mostly young women found in the woods nearby, all unsolved and the work of several criminals. The murders stopped in the 80s, but resumed in the 90s, just when my father decided to accept a job transfer and relocate my family from New Orleans, then called the murder capital of the world by local rappers, to the seemingly safe suburbs of Houston. Back home, crime was getting closer, and my parents thought their three children would be safer outside of the New Orleans. And there I was, 19 years old, 90 pounds, alone and scared at night on a freeway that sat in the middle of the killing fields. That summer, two young women went missing. They were 17 and 20 years old. One drove a truck that was later found abandoned on the freeway less than a mile from where I was. She was literally snatched from her vehicle on the shoulder of Interstate 45. She was planning to begin college a month later, and even today, I can't help but feel connected to her. During the summer of 1997, there was a serial killer on the loose that looked for his victims specifically in the area that I was in that night. In 2019, a man was charged after confessing to their murders and more. The guy told my dad that his name was Harry, or Henry. He was a volunteer for firefighters in the county. Sometime later, we contacted the fire department in an attempt to find him and give a formal thank you, but no one knew who he was. We've never been able to find him or anyone that knew him. Was he a real person or an angel sent to me? The only answer is that he was both an earth angel. I know that spirit is always with me. On random days during small moments, I like to imagine that I'm surrounded by a circle of light, a mixture of honorable ancestors, deceased loved ones, spirit guides and angels in every realm assigned to me by the divine. Like one of those wispy flowers with petals that float around when the wind blows, it's the little things we don't notice. What guided the guy in the white shirt to the freeway that night at the exact moment when my car stopped? What if he had not stopped to help? What if I were wearing tennis shoes 
and pants instead of mules and a long skirt? Would it have given me the false sense of confidence I needed to risk my life running across a freeway? What if my father missed the call? It was not a coincidence, and I'm grateful that that man in the white shirt listened to his intuition, but I don't believe in luck. Things lined up exactly as they were supposed to, and it wasn't by chance. It was by divine design. While my heart aches for the women found in those fields that night taught me that I have a direct line to the divine, that even though I'm a small piece of the world, the universe is vast and powerful and supports me in every breath. I don't know why my path was different from theirs, but I know that I've been shown magic that I'll never forget. Makiela is a Usai Reiki master, licensed therapist, and the creator of Mystic Yaya, a spiritual healing practice that uses Reiki, crystal grids, and the vibrational energy of affirmations. She is also the creator of the Ritual Affirmation Card Deck, available for purchase on themysticyaya.com. For today's story, I pulled the moon from Major Arcana in the tarot, which is so fitting because the moon represents what we can't see, but we can intuitively feel, which Makia stated that in this moment, she felt the divine. She saw the magic. She trusted in what she couldn't see. And that is exactly what the moon card asks us to do to believe in faith and not just in luck. Big love, Imani. 